0: Philippians 3 and 1. Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things again is no trouble to me. And it is a safeguard for you. And here's our theme again. Paul in Ephesians or Philippians 3, 1. He says, finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. Have you all remembered that phrase? Rejoice in the Lord. Here's our, our theme again. And Paul says, finally, my brethren, in other words, Here it is again. And we talked about the theme of Philippians is joy. And and in in this verse of Scripture, remember our theme verse, Philippians 4.4. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Twelve times in four chapters, Paul keeps bringing up joy. Rejoice. It's the theme of the book of Philippians. Paul understood the power of repetition. How I many of you know it's not just good enough to hear it one time? you got to keep hearing it. Amen? And so he keeps reinforcing it. And he keeps mentioning it. Apparently, the church of Philippians needed this message in a strong way. I think that in our day, in our age, we need this message in a strong way. Amen? So why is Paul putting so much emphasis on joy? Well, let's review a little bit. Nehemiah tells us that the joy of the Lord is your strength. isn't it true that if you got joy in your life you're strong, but whenever you're depressed you're discouraged you're very weak. listen if you're strong, you can go bear hunting with a switch. Nehemiah says the joy of the Lord is our strength. Proverbs tells us the joy of the Lord keeps you healthy and strong proverbs seventeen twenty two A joyful heart is good medicine, but a broken spirit dries up the bones. Listen, a joyful heart is a healthy heart. The more joy you have, the healthier you be. Hebrews tells us the joy of the Lord gives you an advantage in life. Hebrews 1 and 9. Your God has set you above your companions by anointing you with the oil of joy. I like that. I want to be anointed with the oil of joy. I don't want to be anointed with the oil of lemon juice. I want to be anointed with the oil of joy. Amen. I don't want to have to walk around with this long frown on my face. I want to walk around with a smile on my face. I just want to take a moment. To remind you, joy and happiness are two different things. People say, man, I just want to be happy. And they think, well, to be happy, they got to win the lotto. They got to get married to that girl, that guy, whatever. Or they got to get a higher paying job. Happiness is based on circumstances. Joy is based on. On the Spirit of God. It does not matter whether you're in prison, out of prison. Whether you got a lot of money, you got a little bit of money. It does not matter what you're going through. I'm here to tell you that the oil of joy on your head will put a smile on your face. Come on, I need a better amen. Now listen, the good news is you can experience great benefits when you're under the joy of the Lord. The bad news is you can lose the joy of the Lord. Remember, Paul said in Galatians 4.15, what happened to all your joy? The Galatians had joy, but they lost joy. The psalmist said in Psalm 51.12, restore to me, talking to the Lord, praying, restore to me the joy of your salvation. He lost his joy. You can't do. Amen. And so Paul, I believe, goes through great length to encourage us to maintain the joy of the Lord. And that's what we, that's what we've been talking about. Our theme in this series is about maintaining the joy of the Lord. Cause I promise you, there'll be somebody at your doorstep when you get home this afternoon that will want to take your joy. There'll be somebody at work that will want to take your joy. And if it's not somebody, it's someone and his name is Satan. He's the thief and he comes to steal and he don't want you to be joyful. He wants you to be depressed, discouraged and defeated. But Jesus came that your joy might be full. Amen. You can have joy. How many of you believe that this morning? Now, today we're going to talk about the joy of walking in the spirit. The joy Listen, everybody, we can live our life in one of two ways. We can walk in the confidence and the strength of our flesh, or we can walk in the strength and the confidence of the spirit. We have a choice. Ephesians five sixteen says, I say walk by the spirit, and you will not carry out the desires of the flesh, for the flesh sets its desire against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. For these are in opposition to one another so that you may not do the things that you please. Now listen. One of the greatest lessons we can learn in life. If you hear nothing else I say today, I want you to hear this. One of the greatest lessons we can learn in life is this. Is knowing the difference between walking in the flesh and walking in the spirit. Now let me just say, Even though you are Christian, you can live your life in the flesh and not walk in the spirit. Why did Paul make so much emphasis on walking in the spirit and not the flesh? The reality is you can live your Christian life in the flesh. Amen. There's this constant battle going on on the inside of us, in every one of us. The battle is our flesh and our spirit. Whenever you get born again, you get born of the spirit. The spirit of God is in you. But it does not matter, though you're saved, that you are going to live and be influenced by the spirit. The spirit and the flesh are constantly battling, trying to decide who's going to be the dominant force and influence of our life. Paul says... If you want to live a life of joy, you must learn to win this battle of the flesh and start walking in the Spirit. Amen? So, Philippians 3 and 2, he says, Beware of the dogs, beware of the evil workers, beware of false circumcision, for we are the true circumcision who worship in the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. Although I myself have confidence in the flesh, if anyone else has a mind to put confidence in the flesh, I for more circumcised the eighth day of the nation of Israel of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the as to the law, a Pharisee; as to zeal, a persecutor of the church; as to righteousness, which is in the law, found blameless. But whatever things were gained to me, those things I've counted as loss for the sake of Christ. More than that, I count all things to be lost in view of the sake of Christ. More than that, I count all things to be in loss of view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them but rubbish so that I may gain Christ and may be found in him not having a righteousness of my own derived from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which comes from God on the basis of faith. There's a whole lot here, but let me kind of ball it down this way. Paul was warning the Philippian church. Hey, church, don't make the mistake of putting your confidence in the fleshly works of circumcision instead of the spirit of God. He says these dogs, these evil workers, which were probably Judaizers, Christian teachers that were wrongly trying to teach the church that to be right with God, you had to keep all the Old Testament Jewish laws. Paul says, no, to be right with God, you don't need to keep all the Jewish laws. You don't need to be circumcised on the eighth day to be right with God. He says, all you need to do is simply receive salvation by grace through faith. The Judaizers are teaching how to be right with God through works. Paul is teaching how to be right with God through the spirit of God. In verse 2, he says, Beware of the dogs, beware of the evil workers, beware of false circumcision, for we are the true circumcision who worship in the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. The false teachers were trying to get the church to rely on the flesh. Paul was trying to get the church to rely on the Spirit. Listen, Paul learned, Walking in the confidence and strength of the flesh is the wrong way to live your life. How many would you agree with that? See, Paul learned firsthand that walking in the flesh is, is, is doomed for your life. In Philippians 3, 4, 6, he said, listen, I myself have confidence. Uh, I myself might have confidence in the flesh. And he, and he lists all these reasons why. I mean, listen. He says, "Man, I was circumcised on the eighth day, just like the law. I'm from the uh, from the nation of Israel. I'm from the tribe of Benjamin. I have all these these prerequisites to be right with God if it's about the Jewish law." But he said, "Listen, all that stuff is empty because it's the works of man. But whenever you put your faith in the Spirit of God, that's where you're going to go." Paul learned a valuable lesson. He learned that walking and putting your confidence in your flesh is the way, worst way to live your life. How many of you know that? And so listen, in Romans seven eighteen, Paul said, I know that in me, that is in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. How many of you came to that conclusion? That if you are left to yourself, it's not good. It stinketh. Amen. So here's the life lesson. Nothing good or godly comes out of walking in my strength and in my flesh. Can I tell you something? Nothing good or godly will come from you when you walk in your strength and in your flesh. Amen? So let's ask the question, what does it mean to walk in the flesh? Well, there's two usages of the word flesh in the Bible. The first is in reference to the physical body. Remember in John 1 uh, referring to Jesus, the Bible says in John 1 14, it says the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we saw his glory as the only begotten from the father, full of grace and truth. The word became flesh. His beginning was the word. The word was with God and the word was God. It's speaking of Jesus. And then all of a sudden, Jesus became God, became flesh. So we know this verse is speaking of Jesus becoming physically human flesh and blood. But it's also, it's also often used to describe the, hum, the human sinful nature. How many of you know we have a, a human nature, a fleshly nature, and it's sinful? Galatians 5.19 says, The works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, Envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like. You see, he's saying the works of the flesh is described as sinful impulses and cornal behavior. You see, listen, if we live our life motivated, operating on sinful impulses and cornal behavior, we're never going to live in the joy of the Lord. We're never going to experience the joy of the Lord. Walking in the flesh means to be dominated and controlled by sinful impulses and your corno, selfish behavior. Are you all tracking with me? Paul learned a life controlled by the flesh is doomed for failure. And so he says in Galatians 6, 7, Don't be deceived, God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, this will he also reap. The man who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. The one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. And what is he saying? Walking in the flesh will corrupt your life. Walking in the Spirit will eternally bless your life. Do y'all see this? I mean, do you do you understand that this is a challenge for every one of us? We have to learn how to walk in the Spirit and not the flesh. Remember Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve were put in the garden, led by the Spirit of God, controlled by the Spirit of God. The tempter came and tempted them to eat the forbidden fruit. They were walking in, operating in the Spirit. And as soon as they disobeyed God, because God told them not to eat of the fruit, as soon as they disobeyed God, they stepped out of the Spirit and into the flesh. And as soon as they stepped into the flesh, sin came into the human race. Sin came into Adam and Eve. And they were taken out of the provision, the the promised land of God. They lost the blessing of God when they stepped out of the Spirit into the flesh. And that's what happens to you and I. We can be in the Spirit at church worshiping God and get in the flesh as soon as we get in our car, leaving that parking lot. Come on. If you get a witness, say amen. Amen. So that quick, you can go in and out of the Spirit and the flesh. And I believe the longer we stay in the Spirit, the greater our joyful life will be. The more we live in the flesh, the more depressed and discouraged and downcast we will be. Amen. Remember Esau. Esau had a brother named Jacob. Esau was the firstborn. The firstborn meant you got a double portion. When daddy died and and the inheritance was shared, you got two parts instead of one. Firstborn got a double blessing. Esau went hunting one day. He got hungry. He got famished. He came in and Jacob was cooking some some red beans and rice. (laughs) Yeah, And Esau walked in and was like, I know what that is. He said, hey, Jake, how about some of that stew? And Jacob said, I'll give you some stew. Let's make a deal. That was the initial. Let's make a deal. And Esau said, man, you name it. I want some stew. He said, all right. How about give me that birthright? And he said, man, I'm so hungry right now. At this present moment, all I want is stew. So I'm willing to sacrifice the double blessing to get out of the spirit and get in the flesh and eat some stew. And Esau lost his birthright and the ability of having the double blessing. This is a picture of what happens to many people, even church-going people. Because of being controlled by our flesh, we lose out on the double blessing of God. Come on, are y'all hearing me? How many of you, how many people have lost close friends because they've had a moment in the flesh? Have lost their families because they started walking in the flesh? Got an uncurable disease because they walked in the flesh. They've lost their freedom They will spend the rest of their lives incarcerated because their flesh was the dominant force of their life. Listen, we've been going to LPCC asking those that are in our class, how many of you were raised in church? The vast majority of them raised their hands. I'm telling you, just because you go to church doesn't mean you're going to live in the spirit. Amen. So listen, Paul learned being controlled by the flesh keeps you from walking in obedience to God and therefore keeps you from receiving the double blessing. Now, how do you quit being controlled by the flesh? How do you not be dominated by your flesh? Like your flesh has to have every little thing it wants. Everything it's BDIC. I I mean, here you got a plate in the front of you. you start looking at the neighbor's plate. Yours looks better than mine. Come on, get out of the flesh and get in the spirit and eat your plate. Eat what's on your plate. (laughs) amen. Don't eat the plate. I think that might be the flesh there too. Amen. Come on, y'all tracking with me though, right? So how do you live in the spirit? How do you walk in the spirit? Well, let me just give you a couple of suggestions and we can pray and go practice it as we leave. Amen. How do you walk in the Spirit? Walking in the Spirit, how many of you believe, is essential to winning in life? Listen to what Galatians 5.16 says. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the deeds of the flesh. You know what that's saying? The more I'm influenced by God's Spirit, the less bad choices I'm going to make. The less bad decisions I'm going to make. The less birthrights that I'll give up. When I walk in the spirit, when I smell the lentil stew, when I smell the red beans and rice aroma in the house, when I come in, if I can walk past the red beans and rice and stay in the spirit, I'm going to walk right through the kitchen into the living room and get the double blessing that God has for me. Amen. Amen. So how do you do that? How do you walk past the kitchen and get into the living room? Take every opportunity to kill your flesh. Take every opportunity. Galatians 5, 24 said those who belong to Christ Jesus. Let me do a little survey. How many of you belong to Christ Jesus? Yes, okay. Everyone that belongs to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. They've crucified it. They've died to it. In other words, listen. If my deal, which y'all have heard already, and I know you probably have told a few people, I used to be a drug head. I used to have a problem smoking marijuana every day. How am I going to stay off of marijuana? Is I need to crucify that passion. In other words, I need to stay out of the car with my friends that smoke marijuana. Amen? How do I get out of adultery and I live a moral life? I get away from the things that's turning my head. Come on, are you all with me? How do I quit feasting on impure images through my phone or through my computer I put a filter on it, and I don't give my flesh the opportunity to partake. Come on, are y'all tracking with me out here? Come on. It's not rocket scientist type stuff. Amen? If I have problems cheating on my expense account, I need to get me some accountability there, and I need to not give my flesh the opportunity to lie about my expense account. Colossians 3.5 says, put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires and greed, which is idolatry. Listen to what it says. Put to death. Put to death. Another verse says, flee youthful lust." And so the first thing I need to do is I need to take every opportunity to kill it. I need to take every opportunity. Oh, I know if I go there, what's going to happen? I ain't going there. I know if I do this, I know what's going to happen. I'm not doing this. So you try to kill it. Get on the cross and die to it. Amen. In other words, there's one part that we can't just pray, God, help me. And we don't do nothing. We got to do something. Amen. Say, man, I don't know why. I don't know why I can't quit smoking pot. Every time I go down there where they're dealing and wheeling and smoking and doping, I start smoking pot. Well, stay away from where they're wheeling and dealing. And maybe you'll quit smoking pot. Amen. Come on. How many of you say that's good counsel? Amen. Amen. Number two, you need to quit feeding the flesh. You got to quit feeding it. Romans 13, 14, and it says, put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lust." In other words, quit looking for plates of lentil stew. Amen. And so listen, you know, you've heard that story about this Indian chief and he had two dogs. Two different colored dogs, you know. One was white, one was spotted. And he would bring them out in front of all the Indians and it was their entertainment. And the chief would stand there and he'd say, okay, today the dog with the spots is going to win the fight. He'd let him fight. And every time he would call it, it's the way it would happen. If he called the dog with the spots was going to win the fight, the dog with the spots would win the fight. If he called that the white dog without the spots, what's going to win? The white dog without the spots would win. Finally, the Indians got enough of. It. They said, "How do you know?" And he said, "Well, it's a secret. The secret is when I feed the white dog, the white dog wins. When I feed the dog with the spots, the dog with the spots wins. Whoever I feed." Wins. Translated into our adult life. If I feed my flesh 24-7, my flesh is going to operate and dominate my life. If I feed my spirit man, if I feed my, my spiritual life, my spirit man is going to dominate and it's going to win the battle. Amen. That's pretty easy, right? You see, you know, what I used to do, was I would just like try to clench my fist. Listen, you know, we said, hey, look, don't give the opportunity for the flesh. You know, nail the flesh. You know, kill it. Don't go there. But you know, the reality is, the flesh gets so strong that even though in your mind you saying, don't go there, your flesh goes there. Come on, at least one person raise your hand and say, amen, I know what you're talking about. So sometimes... Your flesh begins to dominate your life so much that you can't walk in the spirit. You can't choose the right choices. And see, that was my struggle whenever I got saved and I didn't want to smoke pot any longer. Although in my mind and my heart, my desire was not to do it, I did it. And one day the Lord just, He just revealed to me, listen, if you sow to the flesh, you're going to reap from the flesh. If you sow to the Spirit, you're going to reap from the Spirit. So I realized I needed to start feeding my spirit more. So listen, here's the indicator of how much you need to feed your spirit. Are you having problems with anger? Are you having problems living a selfish, self-centered life? Is your human nature stronger in your presentation than the character of Christ? If that is the case, that's an indication that you need to feed your spirit man more. Because whoever you're going to feed more is going to win. And see, after I got saved, God remarkably started helping me, getting rid of some traits that were ungodly, that were tied in with the carnal nature. And so I was feeling good about the way life was going. And so I kind of got in my spiritual lazy boy and kicked my feet back and said, man, this spiritual walk thing is the best thing. The next thing I knew, while I was sitting on my spiritual lazy boy, some some character qualities started creeping back into my life. Some behaviors and habits that I thought were already gone started finding their way back into my life. And I realized, oh no, I thought this was done. This was over with. And I realized, I can't afford not to feed my spiritual man. I can't afford not to feed my spiritual life. Because if I don't speed, if I don't feed, rather, my spiritual life, the wrong dog is gonna win. And I already know what happens when my flesh wins out. It's never good. In my flesh dwelleth no good thing. Amen? So can I encourage you today? Keep feeding your spiritual man. It's not an option unless you want to live with all the ungodly, impure, evil passions in your life. Feed your spiritual man and eventually that old flesh is going to die a thousand deaths. Amen? But listen, let me just encourage you. It never it never dies all the way. It faints, passes out. But it's always waiting to take the upper hand on your life again. You could be safe 50 years. You could be in the ministry. You could be greatly used of God. It takes only one moment to get to get ruled by the flesh again and thus ruin your life. Isn't that right? Remember the prodigal son. It's a picture. He was, he was eating at the, at the king's table. He was at the master's banquet table. He was at his father's house. Blessed. Stepped out of the spirit, stepped into the, into the flesh, took his inheritance, spit it on riotous living, and ended up in the pig's pen. It's a picture of what happens when you go from the spirit to the flesh. You can lose everything. So you see, if you want to live in the joy of the Lord, the joy of the Lord is the fruit of the Spirit. So you see, if we will make a priority of reading our Bible daily, whenever you go two, three days without reading your Bible, let that be a warning. Warning, warning. Because listen, I promise you, you're going to be going to Piccadilly and feeding your flesh. You're going to be grabbing that remote control and feeding your flesh, whether you read your Bible or not. Isn't that right? So the flesh is constantly getting fed. But if we will take the time to read our Bible on a daily basis, that's feeding the spirit, man. If we'll take the time to get alone by ourselves with God, close our eyes and just pray and say, God, Apart from you, I can do nothing. God, I need your strength. God, I need your power. I need your presence. I need the spirit of might in my life. God will begin to fill you with his spirit. He'll begin to fill you with his might. Listen, some people, they just as soon come to church 45 minutes late because they don't need that music stuff. Well, can I just talk to you for just a moment? Pass up your bowl of Cheerios and come out 45 minutes early and get with the saints of God and shout unto God a voice of triumph. Get into worship, get in the spirit. let God fill you with His anointing and His power. Amen. And when you get to work Monday, you might not bite off the heads of your coworkers. How many of you think that's a good idea? Come on, stand with me, let's close in prayer the joy of walking in the spirit you know the bible says we're cracked pots we can drink of the spirit and it just leaks out right i mean you could fast for 40 days so filled with the spirit of god take 2 weeks off of not praying reading your bible talking to god and you're going to feel like like one of lucifer's main kingpins It's the flesh, the carnal nature, because of the sin of Adam. It's this constant tuggle we have in our lives. Our flesh and the Spirit of God. Man, what blessings await us as we walk more in the Spirit of God. I told you a couple of weeks ago about two brothers I heard. I mean, I, I heard another story yesterday. I hear story after story after story. I heard about a young man. He got a college he got a college scholarship to California to play football. And he got over there and he got saved here and then left, went to, went to California to play football. God got in the Rome group, was in somebody's house in Beverly Hills, and they had an altercation that took place, and the guy pulled a gun on him. And through the grace of God, he came out of there with his life. He called home, he called his pastor and said, I gotta come home. He gave up his scholarship to come back home. Because he said, it's not worth losing my life. He gave up his scholarship to get in the spirit and not live in the flesh. Go get him, man. That's what I say. Amen. That's what I say. Go get him. Now he's married. He's got two kids. He just got a job promotion. He's 22 years old and just was given a managerial position at the place that he works. That's what I'm talking about. Living in the Spirit and not living according to the flesh. Amen? Come on. How many of you want to live in the Spirit? Father, we pray right now, God, that you would release your anointing, release your power, release your presence, release your your grace over this house right now. Father God, Come on, let's ask God. Fill me with your spirit. Lord, I need more. I need more. Lord, I don't want my flesh to have any place in my life. Lord, we want to decrease that you might increase. God, we pray, fill us with your anointing, fill us with your power, fill us with your presence today. In the mighty name of Jesus, we ask God that you would release your grace over our life today. Thank you, my God. Thank you, my Lord, for releasing a supernatural feeling of your spirit in every heart and every life. Come on, drink of the spirit right now. Drink of the Lord right now. Thank you, God, that you are filling your body, filling your people with your spirit, with your power, and with your anointing, O oh God. Thank you, Lord. Now, Father, I pray, Lord, that grace would be released over us, that, Lord, you would give us the grace To walk away from those temptations. To walk away from those opportunities to feed our flesh. God, give us the grace, the power, and the strength, Lord, to not walk or live in the flesh, but to live in the Spirit, I pray in Jesus' name. And everybody that agreed, shouted and said, Amen. Amen, amen, amen.